moving boxes. So many boxes and trinkets and things that held sentimental value, and yet, I wasn't sure which stuff I wanted to keep. I opened a dusty plastic bin. It was filled to the brim with art supplies and modeling materials. At the bottom was an unlabeled shoebox. And inside were old handwritten journals, diaries spanning over a decade back from before I'd graduated high school. I opened one. I found not just words, but also drawings and charts and grocery lists. I found old hard drives inside the box too, with digital diaries saved. Before I knew it, I was dog-earing pages, making notations on post-it notes, and sitting in a giant collage of memory. I was looking at a giant tapestry of myself, watching individual threads from years past weave themselves together, then unravel and form new pieces of fabric. <laughs> it was funny. All the different versions of me over time. Use the same words. Same problems, same metaphors, the same pop culture references, the same questions. People drifted in and out of my life. I moved different places, went to different schools. But the core was the same. And as I kept reading, I, I made a startling discovery. Thirteen-year-old me was honest and blunt and crass and open. Twenty-eight-year-old me was secretive, metaphorical, gentle, diplomatic. Fifteen years apart, and yet these two were feeling the same exact emotion to the same exact problem. But the approach was very different. Why was 28-year-old me afraid to write to herself the truth? 13-year-old me knew what the hell was going on and why, and she wrote it so plainly. So I started flagging different storylines, if you will. Pieces of my life that were those individual threads, and I matched them up to what ended up happening. So, dear listeners, and I am addressing you specifically from here on out, I'm coming to you as a curator, a curator of this collage, this tapestry, eager to spin you a story of what I think is an interesting journey. It isn't necessarily over, but it has reached a culmination that is hard to ignore. When you create art, where do you begin? I'm not a person who starts at the beginning or with a premise. Contrary to what books and movies and television would have you believe, we do not experience life in a linear way. Much like a collage or a tapestry, individual things become woven or pasted together and it's only when we zoom out that we grasp what we experienced. It just so happens that linear stories are easily digestible. At the age of two, my mom bought me some colorful alphabet magnets. She would sit me at the base of the fridge with a blanket to play with them while she worked. I grouped all the yellow letters together, the green letters, the blue, and red. And so I learned the alphabet, completely out of order, by assigned color. After that, I began reading and comprehending the written word, books, by three. So I'll tell this story the way I experience things. Out of typical order, arranged in a way that I can fathom that lets it stick in my brain. I speak to you from the present. I speak to you from the lens of the present while studying the past and gauging the future. I'll frame this story thematically, organically, a stream of consciousness, they call it. Honestly, I'm writing this with my eyes blurry from no glasses and tears falling down my cheeks. 
Because looking through all these pages of my life, I realize I am afraid. Not of what occurred, but because I can see what is going to happen. There are two paths before me, and I am afraid of choosing either one. I wonder, which of the three fears consumes me more? Path one, path two, or staying here, paused? The pause, definitely. And paths one and two, they'll become clear soon. This year is the year of fear. It is the year of taming the lion, taming the fear. Soon you'll understand what I mean by that fear, and maybe where it comes from. When I was 20, right before starting my final year of undergrad, I had a summer internship. We were in one of those group icebreaker exercises, and the coordinator asked, What is your gift? It had to be something that you were proud of, that you were good at. I challenge you, dear listeners, to think about what that is, because everyone has one. Everyone has a gift. My peers had a constellation of answers, and I didn't have to think about what mine was. I said, I have a very good sense of direction. People thought I meant like I never got lost or that I was a human GPS. The internship coordinator asked me to explain. I told him that I knew exactly where I was going at any given time. Not the destination, but the directionality in life, the path that I am walking. The coordinator called it intuition and claimed it wasn't actually a gift. I shrugged and we moved on to the next person. This was the moment where I started thinking about what to call this, this gift. It's not intuition exactly, this isn't a gut feeling or a hunch. I was born with a compass that has guided me through life. I want to explain, but let me preface this by saying, if anyone else feels this way, outside of books and movies, fiction or not, I don't know. I think... <laughs> now, I know other people around me have this, this compass thing, but they don't talk about it. They don't talk about the smolder in the pit of their belly. So let me explain my version of it. I know exactly how long I need to stand somewhere, which street I should turn on, what jobs to take, when to end a friendship. I know glaringly when I am or am not supposed to do something, and I almost always know what that something is. I know when someone is lying or hiding. I know, as things transpire, when they'll impact me for years to come. Maybe not how they'll impact me, but I know it. I can look at a person and know after a few minutes certain types of trauma that they've had. I can make predictions about what will happen. And I can read people in a heartbeat because of the compass, too. I am fiercely aware of momentous things happening as they occur. Whether it's meeting someone who will be a major fixture in my life, or knowing a moment will be the last time I see someone I love. These things may seem dumb and silly and inconsequential, and I'm pretty sure other people have this too. But what I'm talking about, I was aware of it early and leaned into it. I have what I call structured spontaneity in my life, weird rules and assumptions about things just because of this. Certain memories I have, they nag at me in the back of my mind because I know that they're important and I haven't yet gleaned all the information I needed from that memory. It'll make sense later on, but this feeling, it isn't a map or a guide. It's a compass. If you know what true north is, if you can see that pole star in your soul sky, it's a powerful thing. I don't always know where I'm going, but I know I'm going in the right direction. It's like a small voice tells me, takes over. Sometimes it's like a dull nerve ache, and other times it's a quick strike of lightning. 
Either way, after it happens, a cool, numbing sensation filters in behind my eyes and everything becomes more vivid than it should. I feel sharp and very lucid. I follow that feeling, this compass. But the compass has a catch. When I went back to college after the internship and settled into my senior year, my roommate and I were chatting about our upcoming studio projects. She leaned on the doorframe of her room and said, One thing I admire about you, you know how to be alone. You enjoy your own company. She meant it sincerely, as a compliment. I took it as one, one of the best compliments I've ever received. I spend a lot of time by myself. I appreciate solitude, the reflection and contemplation it offers. I enjoy laying in my bed by myself, eating my own snacks, watching my television in my own home, alone. Because you see, the compass, it only works when I'm the only one touching it. And sometimes, if there are too many people around, I begin to doubt the compass and listen to other people. Because after all, I am but a person who is young, inexperienced, and ignorant. I don't know everything, and I don't want to. I make mistakes, and that's part of life. But, dear listeners, the only reason why I'm writing this, why I was startled at reading my own words, is because I find that the people who I've let into my world, my ship, so to speak, I may maroon them. I'm the captain. This is my ship. If I am to sail uncharted waters, it will be my right hand on the compass and my left hand on the wheel. I cannot abide by someone taking this ship, my life from me, and steering it in a direction that will run aground. But enough with the metaphors. Like I said, this is the year of the fear, and I am not a woman of many fears. But I am afraid of being seen. When someone sees through you and sees your soul, that changes you. I'm afraid of someone tampering with my soul's compass. I am not afraid of paths one or two, just the pause, just the spinning of the compass. Looking through all these pages of my life, I can see the fear that 28-year-old me had that 13-year-old me had not yet experienced, but could easily name. 13-year-old me could see it on the horizon and braced herself for it. The spinning of the compass must be dealt with. So this year is the year of the fear. And fear is friends with shame. I am ashamed that the events I speak around but do not reveal are the catalyst for the parts of myself that I dislike. I cultivated habits, some good, some bad, to ease whatever pain I felt while the events I wrote about unfolded. I am ashamed because I lost control. When we leave bad relationships or situations, we're often ashamed. Ashamed that we allowed the abuse, the negativity, the discomfort for so long. We would, of course, fight for our loved ones in a way that we wouldn't fight for ourselves. So we wonder about who we are and how we let it happen. We begin to doubt ourselves. I am ashamed that my walls, the defenses I built up so high, were taken down. So when I say I'm afraid of being seen, I am afraid of someone seeing the fibers of my soul. Souls are ephemeral, archaic things only meant to be gripped by the most careful of fingers. And if someone is careless in handling the soul they have seen? I asked you where you would begin if you were settling down to create art. Because beginnings are muddy and undefined. And I'm still deciding what this is about. 
Maybe this is a story of being seen and my efforts to camouflage myself again. Because this life is a war for your soul. Camouflage, constructed defenses, evasive measures. How can someone prove they're not in the castle of your life to burn it down? Even friendly fire is still a stab in the back. And who I'm talking about isn't really all that important. Specificity and names won't be given. If you can put together the pieces, so be it. Just know that these words, these letters, they were never intended to be shared. And I mean that, truly. So this story is a sort of memoir turned personal narrative, maybe partially fiction, part self-analysis, sort of fever dream, diary, maybe. It's a little naive, a little conceited, a little sensual. It's a little sexy, maybe, in the parts I feel like divulging. I've decided also that I'm not even remotely guilty about any of the truths I have to say. Because if this is my diary, I'm entitled to my thoughts and emotions. And even if none of this story ever happened, no one can deny me the right to dream and to think and to feel. So let me visit the past with a present lens while heading to the future. March 15th, 2012, 2.34 p.m. Studying architecture was a natural choice for me in college. I mean, I was always building and creating when I was little. My world, the one I could create in my head, was infinite. But it was also private. I did understand at a very early age that I could make anything and everything I wanted. But I also understood this ability was something to be protected. So I never let anyone see it. Building worlds from the ground up was something that was a part of me, and how my mind operated wasn't something anyone had ever asked to see. No one expressed an interest in my brain, so I hid it. Anyway, it's extremely difficult for me to let anyone see me as I see myself. I am secretive, I hide, I know I talk a lot, but I rarely talk of anything truly about me. I talk of things and TV shows and movies and jokes. My art and the way that I express myself aren't things anyone can see. Architecture is the first concrete medium I have used. People can see it and touch it. But art for me is also writing. I don't know which I am better at because I don't art as others art, although I appreciate it in all forms. Because I don't art as others art, I'm somehow seen as being handicapped in the art component of architecture if you believe architecture is a blend of art and science. Drawing and painting and sculpture, the art that everyone recognizes as art, has never really given me any satisfaction. So I never pursued it. They say that's bad. I say I just express myself differently. I don't know, I just somehow feel... I feel inadequate and unworthy of architecture because I can't do, and more so do not find happiness in, what society deems art as it relates to architecture. I just want to tell stories and create the world the characters live in. That's all. That's what makes my heart happy. But the problem is, people want to see that now, and sharing is hard. I'm not so sure they'll be accepting of what's going on in my head and why my version of art is the way it is. Actually, I don't have to guess about it. I know it. They're not going to accept that the beauty I see isn't the beauty that the practice of architecture provides. March 23rd, 2012, 2.49 p.m. 
I am a modified version of who I used to be. Every day since I turned 20, I've tried to be more productive, go to bed earlier, make healthier choices. This is a good thing. I've placed more focus on work. I've made a promise to myself to not let anyone, family, friends, me, to not let anyone get in the way of what I want. I feel very powerless, so I'm taking back the power that somehow I gave up because I'm tired. I'm tired of not being who I want to be, always hearing a little voice in, in the back of my head telling me not to do something. Will they think poorly of me? Will my family approve this? I don't like being selfish, but this, this is my life. December 26th, 2017, 10.56 p.m. I've decided a few things for the new year. I'm reflecting on myself, who I am, who I've become, who I was, and who I will be. I must become bold again. I am a far cry from the woman I was before graduate school. I'm afraid of my own reflection of pictures of myself. I gave so much of myself to the people around me and saved very little for me. I must stoke my own fires and burn bright once again. December for me is a time of reflection and promotion of self-evolution. New Year's is my favorite holiday because it is a single moment in time where almost everyone on earth comes together to celebrate new beginnings. Every year I make sure I'm surrounded by those I love on the eve of the new year and on the first day of the new year. If I'm not, the year will surely be spoiled. Maybe that's the reason why this year was so gloomy and unproductive. I was not in a happy place, physically or mentally. This year will be different. I'm going to change my world. I aim to surround myself with people who lift me up. I hate the emotional labor of doubt. Doubting people's intentions towards you. I need to be a better friend. It was hard for me to maintain friendships this year. I am so tired of people misunderstanding who I am and how I feel, and then giving me advice on how to live my life. Sometimes people don't care about you. Only the idea of you. I only know one person who truly wanted to know the real me and who I was. But I don't want to talk about him just yet. This is a new journal. I have to believe in the power of me. I have to go back to the way I was, or at least a version of her. When I got things done by sheer force of will. When I knew just how things would fall into place and when I trusted myself, my instinct, my compass. I will get there. This new year, 2018, is the year of action. But first, I must make a few changes.